welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. I am happy to be alive, happy to be here. <laughs> so, um, as, as you know, probably went um, went about four weeks through the, the COVID roller coaster, and uh, glad to be through all that. I pray everyone is safe and secure on their farms, but uh, ready to ready to see twenty twenty one be in my rearview mirror. Looking forward to the new year. I hope you have the same attitude going forward. Well, first of all, before we get into our interview, I do want to do some quick updates real quick. The first of which, I'm excited to announce that the website that has been funded fully by the Patreon supporters, really appreciate you all, uh, the website will be going live next week. So uh, fitting time to kick off in January 2022 with the pasturedpig.com website. So uh, look for that. Coming, coming out next week, This um, as this airs the last week of 2021, then uh, first week of 2022, we should have it out there. And as you go through it, you'll see that there are some opportunities to incorporate additional content. And so I'm, uh, again, as I, as I mentioned, I don't want to make this um, media source, the podcast, the website, anything else we do. To be really you know, a one-person source or to a one-person perspective, so I, I want to do a call out that if you have any interest at any level to help contribute, and that could be contributions uh, to the blog side, you know, telling anything from charming anecdotes about piggery, or uh, specific things you've learned, uh, resources you use, tools you use that are invaluable, you know, those helpful tips. Be more than happy to have you help contribute. I'll give you uh, your references, give you uh, citations so people can find more out about you if you're trying to build media sources, backlinks, all that type of stuff. Definitely want to uh, help you out in that sense as you help build this community with us. Uh, so it could be contributions of writing. It can be images. Um, again, images of my pigs on pasture don't represent Everybody's across the country, so I'd love to have an eclectic um, collection of imagery like that. And then, of course, just general resources. If you find a PDF or a website or some specific book uh, or video that has been very helpful for you in your pastured pig operation, then share that with me, and I will post that as well in our resource section. Along that same line, as far as rolling out new elements, again, because of our Patreon um, element reaching our first benchmark, uh, thanks to the support of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we've also launched this week our new Facebook group. It is the pa- called The Pastured Pig. No surprise there. But uh, we encourage you to join that. It will be discussions about conversations around pastured pigs, primarily uh, the podcast, podcast discussions, podcast topics. We know there's other great Facebook groups out there uh, that um, I'm not my goal is not to compete with them. It really is just to be an additional source and maybe a, a more of a streamlined focus on the podcast and what's been discussed and the guests on there. I always feel a little uncomfortable going to these other groups and talking about the podcast because I don't want people thinking I'm just trying to get in there and shoehorn uh, traffic. 
So that group is now available. Uh, please join, if you will, and uh, help be a part of, of building this group even more. Okay, so for today's discussion, I, <laughs> I'm excited. I've had this one in the can for a while now, a couple months, and, and just really look forward to it as the calendar approached to when we were going to take this live. But um, a little different direction. Uh, we're still talking about pastured pork, but we're talking today with Pork Ryan. Pork Ryan is a pork evangelist. And if you don't know what a pork evangelist is, um, you're not alone. I wasn't sure until I met him in, uh, in person during the Homesteaders of America conference uh, and then got to hear him speak and then, of course, interviewed him here on this podcast that I fully understand and appreciate what he means by calling himself a pork evangelist. So I, I hope as you listen to this, you'll get some encouragement. Ryan is, is an extremely encouraging individual. I mean, this guy just exudes a positive attitude, uh, joy, and hope, which I love it. I just absolutely love people that, that have that outlook on life. It's tough for me being a pessimist all the time to, uh, to have that same attitude, but I am, I'm glad that he does and really is an encouragement to me, and I think it'll be an encouragement for you as well. Um, one side note here, um, I, I know, um, I'm trying to think of the way to word this properly. Uh, if you haven't been to church in a while, this podcast is, is going to maybe punch that ticket for you. Um, Ryan and I get into some discussions about our faith and how that dovetails into everything we do. And I, I really, I kind of geek out on that because I, I do enjoy talking about that. I know that's not everyone's bag. I, I've never been the type of person to force my faith on anyone else. But if you ask me a question about it, stand back because you're going to hear. Uh, and that's kind of the situation here. Ryan and I kind of get into that discussion. So um, if, if you're not a, a believer, you're not a person of faith, uh, you're a skeptic of all this, um, I, I just encourage you, don't turn off the podcast. Just just listen. We don't get preachy. We don't get uh, condemning. Uh, we don't heap guilt. We just simply talk about love and our faith and, and caring for our animals and fellow man because of what our faith tells us to do. So I hope you enjoy that. And I've obviously talked way too much already about this. Let's go ahead and move on to the interview and let Ryan introduce himself and tell his tale. And I'll catch you guys on the backside of the interview. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Today, we're going in a little different direction. Now, we're still staying in the pork world, but today I have with me a certified pork evangelist. And that evangelist <laughs> is Pork Ryan. And uh, Pork Ryan is from North Carolina. And we're instead of doing any more intros, I'm just going to let this gentleman explain who he is, what he's going. I'm sure you guys have heard of him, uh, those of you that are in the pastured pig world with the rest of us heard of him. So I'm going to let him just jump in, and we're going to hit the ball rolling. So, Pork Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Troy. Uh, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. All right. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Now, for those of you um, that may need a little bit of background on, on Pork Ryan, we're going to get into that here in a second. But I just want to say I was able to hear him speak just several weeks ago at the Homesteaders of America conference in Virginia. And man, if there's, um, you know, the, I don't think we can underscore the word evangelist enough. It's like, by the time I was done, I was ready to come back to the farm and kiss a pig because I was like, yeah, this, this, this guy, is, he's, he's selling what we need to be buying. And I really love his, not only his philosophy with uh, pastured pork 
and the importance of a pig operation. I love his faith. I love his commitment to sharing his faith and, and really love how it parallels into everything he does as, as we all should. Our faith should drive what we do. So I appreciate him coming on. All right. So let's, let's dive in here real first, uh, real fast, uh, Pork Ryan. What exactly is a pork evangelist? How would you describe that position? Good question. Uh, I guess before I answer that, I, I want to ask a quick favor from you, uh, Troy. You, th- you think, can I ask you a quick favor? That sound okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Could you uh, open us up in some prayer? Oh. Could you do that for us? Oh, man, I'd love to. That's cool. You're the f- I've done 75 <laughs> interviews and I've never had anyone ask me to do that. So let's do that. <laughs> All right. For those of you driving, don't close your eyes, obviously. Um, just just <laughs> don't want to be responsible for that. Um, those of you that aren't familiar with prayer, hang on. You're going to like this. So here we go. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. You are sovereign, Lord. You are the creator of all, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we get to be a part of your creation. God, when I look out my window right now, I see your creation manifest in so much beauty, so much glory here in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in West Virginia. God, we know this is as close to heaven as we can get here in West Virginia, but I thank you that we can come together, uh, Pork Run and I, as as brothers in Christ, that we can just share this next hour, just to, just talking with one another, fellowshipping with one another, and just just being able to talk about your creation and the beauty of it. God, I just pray for all of those listening out here that may be having a little tough time in the pasture this week. Maybe the pigs have gotten out, the line's been torn down, the, the water got turned over for the 15th time, Lord, and we know that can be stressful. I pray that you just give us all the patience and wisdom to work well with your creation, to be able to be good stewards of not only the animals themselves, but of the land that you've gifted us with, that, you, that you've made us responsible for, and that, God, we can just exemplify love to one another, our customers, our animals, our friends and family, as we go about working in the fields, working in the pasture to take care of these beautiful creatures. We pray these things in your most precious and holy name. Amen. 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 Yes. Not only was that a beautiful prayer, it was a meaningful prayer. Um, so yeah, let's get started. Um, your question was, what is a pork evangelist? Am I correct? That is exactly right. Yes. Good, good question. Uh, so when that term, I guess, phrase had came to me, uh, really it was just for kicks and giggles, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but uh, I also want to make sure that people know that there is high-quality pork out there. Um, there are a lot of people who've gone vegetarian or vegan or some kind of uh, plant-based um, alternative diet for eating, and I want to just be able to present to them that there is another option from the conventional standards that we normally see or find at our local grocery store. Uh, so that's what I mean by pork evangelists. It's not just not necessarily just getting people to appreciate pork in general, but also getting people to understand that there is alternatives for those who want higher quality pork that maybe would resonate with some of their ethical or moral concerns with the meat industry. And so that's how it started out. But uh, I got to tell you, Troy, um, after the Homesteads of America conference, uh, I was praying over folks and sharing my testimony, um, both on stage and off stage. And when I came back home, Pork evangelists had a completely different meaning to me, <laughs> completely different meaning to me. Um, you know, so I had left the project manager role to uh, do my own thing. I really felt like I was called out on faith to start my ministry. And um, it's kind of weird looking at uh, a business as a ministry. 
Um, but when I really, after I left the Home Saves America conference, I realized that there are people who not simply don't, don't, don't know God, but there are people who do know God, but don't know that they're loved. And, you know, for me as a recovering addict, I realized that the only way that I was going to recover was being able to experience vulnerability, experience honesty, experience someone who would take the time to remind me that I'm loved, remind me that although I might be living in fear, that doesn't mean that fear has to define me and that there's a way out. Uh, and so that's kind of what pork evangelist means to me now is I use pig farming and all these pig talks that people want me to go to. I've been to, I think, somewhere around 35 different events, both uh, in person and online um, over the last five to six years to talk about pig farming. Uh, but now I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I'm using pig farming whether regenerative, whether organic, whether um, alternative, even conventional as a way of sharing my testimony, sharing my faith, just to remind people that they are so loved that God redeemed my life from enslavement to addiction, uh, from enslavement to fear. So that way they would know that they're loved. So that way they would know that they have hope in their life, whether they're uh, facing a, a financial situation. You know, Troy, we talk about farming and there's so much debt that can be involved in it. Um, it can be extraordinarily stressful. Uh, we talk about the emotional situations of, you know, farming and no one around you really understanding what you go through when you lose an animal, what you go through when you banked on uh, your pork production, uh, you know, skyrocketing this year, and then something happens in your production, animals die, or you lose a processor to where now you're stuck in a rut. Uh, and so just from my own experiences in farming and agriculture, I really want people to know that it's okay. It's totally okay to have fears. It's totally okay to um, not know everything, but that there's a way to navigate through that. And part of navigating is not simply just by God and his divine spirit, but also by being in community with one another and being able to express that in a loving way. So that's kind of what pork evangelist means for me using pork as a way of reminding people that they are loved and that there is hope. And I dare say that God loves them and that God is the hope in them. I love it. I love it. So it's like salvation, joy, and quality bacon. It's like, yes. <laughs> yes. Amen. 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 Jesus uh, and pigs. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Obviously there, there's all kinds of theology we could get into with that statement, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that there. We'll leave that for another conversation. <laughs> So so awesome, man. I appreciate that. What a great answer. So let's let's segue over into let's do a little history. So let's let's have people understand who Pork Ryan is. So so I've done a little study on you, done a little bi- little little snooping around, little little bio search Uh-oh, here. Here we go. Here so we go. I know as a young man you studied environmental science in college. So how does one go from environmental science to becoming the pork evangelist? Oh, I love that. Um, so, yeah, so I studied environmental science actually before college. Um, I had an affinity for nature. I was that kid who was glued to uh, the TV watching Animal Planet, Natural Geographic, Discovery Channel. And I was watching animals play uh, dynamic roles in dynamic ecosystems. They all had a purpose. They all played a role in that. And that extraordinarily fascinated me. 
I use nature, uh, me going out into the woods or even going out to a backyard and playing with bugs, catching insects, catching reptiles and amphibians. I use that as a way of escaping because I had a lot of fear and anxiety and trauma growing up. Um, and that was my way of feeling more at peace because I wasn't so much focused on what's happening at home, what's happening in my family, what's happening out in the world. I could kind of isolate myself a little bit in a place that is out of my control, yet I, I feel extraordinarily comforted by. So, you know, going to high school, I took uh, AP bi bi biology and uh, AP environmental science. I was part of Roots and Shoots um, in high school, and that just further uh, gave me this passion for environmental science. But at the same time, I was also doing um, summer programs, uh, competitive summer programs with the USDA. Uh, so for those of you who have uh, teenagers who are in high school uh, and maybe you want to expose them more to agriculture, there is a program called uh, Ag Discovery. It's a part of the USDA. It's a competitive process, but basically if your kid gets in, they get to spend two weeks at any uh, selected land-grant university where they can study either veterinary medicine or plant pathology. It really depends on the university and the program that they're interested in. So I was doing that during the summer and um, really was exposed to agriculture, but it didn't click. For some reason, like it, agriculture didn't click. And being in an environmental science background, I, I, I remember being indoctrinated with how agriculture is bad. Agriculture is not good. Agriculture is destroying the land. Uh, and it's very true, you know, when you look at conventional agriculture, uh, you think of soil erosion, you think of eutrophications uh, in our lakes and streams, you think of oceanic dead zones, um, you think of fertility loss. There's so many things that are going wrong in conventional agriculture. And so I was indoctrinated with that, and I believed that wholeheartedly. So then when I ended up transferring to North Carolina A&T, which is a uh, 1890 land-grant university, uh, historically black college, I uh, went into the animal science department as an animal science major, thinking that, you know, I might want to be a veterinarian, I might want to work with animals. I knew my calling was in that direction. Uh, but again, didn't click. That was in an agricultural program. And so uh, my assistant dean had uh, came one day and gave a presentation. And he basically said, you know, guys, agriculture is not just farming. Agriculture is economics. It's education. It's medicine. Sure, it's food, but it's also labor and lumber. It encompasses everything that we do as a civilization. People literally, whole civilizations, whole countries went to war, killed one another for farmland because they understood that if they can produce more crops for their family, for their community, for their country, then they'll be a thriving economic power. So farming is the backbone of all economics. Without farming, a lot of things won't happen. It can't happen. And so I felt extraordinarily enthralled with like, oh my God, this is a big connected dot. Like I can connect all these different things and it all points back to humanity. It all points back to agriculture. And so agriculture became my second love then. Uh, was able to win an award with the USDA. Uh, they allowed me to stay over there for a week and was again, more enthralled with uh, seeing my future in agriculture, uh, but still having my passion in the environmental sciences. But Troy, I had a midlife crisis at um, 22 when I was in college. Uh, I realized that um, the trajectory that I was going in the, my career in animal science as a major, it was going to lead me to people like Tyson, Smithfield, Sanderson's Farm, I mean, all JBS, all the big meatpacking industries. Mm. 
And I realized that didn't resonate with my childhood experience. Being that kid who played in the dirt and, and was ex just really passionate about nature, animals playing a dynamic role in dynamic ecosystems. And so uh, I felt kind of uh, uh, anxious and fearful because, you know, I, I want to, you know, embrace my environmental side, but also want to embrace the agricultural side. Where can I find something that marries both of them together? Because I realize that conventional agriculture, especially when it comes to livestock, that although it's almost essential for our global economies and, and our global population, it still divorces animals from the land. I'll repeat that again. It does divorce animals from the land. And, you know, you took your Joel South and talk about the pigginess of the pig. And um, it, it's true. I want animals to be able to, to naturally express their God-given talents and abilities. And the best way of doing that is bringing them onto the land. Uh, and so I actually said, you know what? I don't know what I need to do, but I realized that, okay, I need to go farm. I talked to an extension director, and he's a good mentor of mine. His name's Kelly. And he said, uh, Ryan, if you want to help farmers, go farm. <laughs> And so I farmed in both Texas and in North Carolina because at first I was like, oh, you mean like farm at school, like at the school farm? <laughs> He's like, no, you need to make an income off of farming. You need to get paid low wages and make an income off that. You need to live the actual experience of farming, not some pseudo safety net. No, you need to just go out and do it. And whatever you learn will be helpful to you in the future. Wow. And so I did that both in Texas and North Carolina. Uh, I've had experiences where in managing some of the farms where I managed a grade A raw dairy operation with dairy goats down in Texas. Uh, I've raised beef cattle, both heritage and conventional breeds, um, pigs, chickens, broiler, broilers and hens, ducks, sheep, goats, uh, including Spanish goats for meat production. I've raised rabbits. I've raised just about anything except for horses, because we can't eat horses here. Um, <laughs> and uh, horses are a waste of money. That's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, we call them hay but, burners. Uh, and, and it's true. And it's true. If you have a horse out there, I love you. I love you. I love you. But, um, yeah, some of y'all might need to get rid of them horses if they ain't making you money. But, okay, anyways, I'm going to drop that. <laughs> That's my soapbox. Um, you know, but uh, I, I did all those different experiences. But the cool thing about it was I was doing it through rotational grazing actual pasture management, which most of my peers were going to be working for all these other agricultural entities, and they weren't going to be learning any of that. Our school did provide that opportunity, but, you know, when kids get internships, they're not getting internships on regenerative farms usually. They're getting internships on the commercial and conventional farms. Right. And so I was really blessed not simply to have an internship, but even to be able to manage those livestock enterprises to where I was the managing a uh, person for uh, one of those livestock enterprises where, you know, I had people under me. And so now you talk about leadership skills that are involved with that. And so it really showed me that I could have the best of both worlds, that I can still appreciate my environmental passion and love, as well as my newfound passion for agriculture in a way that allowed for there to be commonality, in a way that there allowed there to be unity and peace. However, there wasn't peace um, for me, particularly, um, and that was because I was raising pigs. Um, the first farm that I worked at, this was the first time raising pigs outdoors. I didn't realize that uh, they didn't have the proper infrastructure for pigs. 
And so pigs were breaking out. They were breaking infrastructure. They were really just a pain in the butt, like, uh, honestly. And, you know, if, if you can relate, you know, feel free to laugh with me. Um, <laughs> I've made many of mistakes raising pigs starting out because I didn't know any better. Yeah. Uh, everyone else on the farm didn't want to deal with pigs. They hated them, too. And um, uh, it was my responsibility to take care of not just pigs, but all the other livestock enterprises. And out of all the other livestock enterprises, which were, for the most part, dialed down, Pigs were not dialed down at all, uh, other than feeding, giving them water, and providing some shelter for them. That was it. Uh, and so I was having a lot of trouble with them breaking out, them breaking fencing. We had woven wire, which for those of you who use woven wire, you know that they work pretty well with cattle, work pretty well with sheep. Uh, I can't say they work well with goats because the goats get their heads stuck in it. Right, Jeez, right. Stupid goats. Yeah. Um, but with pigs, since they're so low creatures, and they have a natural behavior of rooting, lifting, putting their head down and lifting up. Um, woven wire is, uh, it doesn't work for that because they can push the woven wire all the way up and escape underneath. Uh, and so one day I had a, a quote unquote day off on the farm, <laughs> off the farm. And um, uh, the interns that I had left behind were like, hey, Ryan, Louise, who was our English large black sow, a heritage breed sow, around 600 pounds. They're like, Louise, she, she's, she's broken out of this infrastructure and that infrastructure, and we, we, try, we keep trying to put her in something, and she keeps breaking out. We don't know what to do. Can you come help us? I was like, oh, geez. Okay, yeah, I'll come back to the farm. All right, whatever. Um, you know, it's like, okay, I want to save the day. I'm the hero. Let me just, you know, go figure this out. Uh, put Louise in our isolation pen. Had plenty of, plenty of grass, plenty of shelter, plenty of water, plenty of feed. She, she was in a pit house, essentially. And so I put her in there. We had a chain-link fence gate, which I don't recommend for pigs. Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. And um, had her all settled in. And uh, then uh, we, um, they had left. And I was kind of along with her. And I was like, okay, I think she's settled in. So I'm going to leave now. I locked her in. Uh, and again, the only lock that we had for that was literally the uh, one where you just kind of push down to lock it in place, not like an actual uh, bolt. Let me put a lock and key to this to make sure that this doesn't open. So anyways, uh, I'll get to that in a second. So anyways, um, she she goes to the gate and she's just looking at me while I'm outside the gate and yeah, I'm like, okay, she's fine. So I keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. I was like, you know, something's just not right. So I turn around and, and look at Louise and she's an English large black. So she has these big floppy ears. You can't see her eyes, but you can look at her nose and tell that she's staring at you. Right. And so it's just like, uh, okay, all right, she's fine. She's fine. So I keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. And I was like, you know, something just doesn't work. So I turn around one more time and there she is. And then she's starting to run. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, she's fine. Okay, do, 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 do. And I'm, I'm, I was almost to my car, and I was like, you know, something just doesn't feel right. So I turned around one more time. And guess what, Troy? Guess what happened, Troy? Just take a guess. Take a guess. Take a wild guess. I have a feeling Louise is standing right there behind you. <laughs> she, she, she was close. So as soon as I turn around, I hear this, this bellowing screech. It went like this. And she had literally bulldozed, I'm not kidding, bulldozed the gate. And here's what she did. She used her natural instincts of rooting and digging down and lifting up to skyrocket the gate. She skyrocketed the gate 
off of its hinges. That thing flew like, like 10, 20 feet into the air. I'm not exaggerating. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Again, 600 pound sow. And so as soon as the gate like flops down to the ground, you can see a triangular dent to where her nose met the bottom frame of that gate and just bented it yep. all the way. Yep. And it, so then the gate flops down. I'm in utter disbelief. And I see this pig, Louise, trotting in victory. I've never seen that pig trot in her entire life. But I tell you what, she trotted that day. And she trotted over victory to me. Her, her head was swaying. Her floppy ears were swaying. And she was swaying. And she comes over to me. And she's like, rrr, 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 rrr. And I, I, Troy, I, I about lost my mind. Um, I was, I was utterly defeated, utterly defeated, <laughs> because uh, I realized that I didn't know what else to do. I tried everything, so I thought I've done everything, and I was still failing in this enterprise. All the other enterprises I had figured out, but this one right here troubled me the most, gave me the most anxiety gave me the most um, annoyance and frustration. And I didn't know what to do at that point. Um, so when Louise came down to me, uh, I got on one knee. I did not propose to her. Um, <laughs> but uh, I said, Louise, grabbed her by the jaws, big old fat jaws. I said, Louise, I'm going to love you so hard that just maybe I'll understand you. Because right now I don't understand you at all. Yeah. Um, so pigs were a factor of humility in my life. Um, it, I've had many, I was extraordinarily prideful. And this was before, you know, entering recovery. I was extraordinarily pr uh, uh, prideful and arrogant, um, even at that point. And pigs just showed me how much that I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Wow. But I tell you what, though, that experience allowed for me to really see what love actually is. Um, and what I mean by that is I developed what I call a farmer's eye, which is not just looking at uh, feed, water, and shelter, but looking at all the context in between that, not even on a herd level, but even on an individual pig level. And I realized that I needed to spend more time with these animals because I didn't understand them. They kept doing things, and I was trying to work against them, not with them. And so I would sit out in the pastures and, you know, just watch them root through the ground and play in the mud and the wallows and run around. Chase. They, they were like doing tag um, and chasing each other and eating. And then they'd come beside me and I'd scratch the belly or scratch the ears or scratch their head. And over time, I realized that I was acquiring observational skills that was allowing for me to be uh, more of a master in my ability to raise pigs in my given environment. The problems that I realized I was having were not pig problems. They were me problems. It was a management issue, not a pig issue. It was a management issue. So I changed the infrastructure to make it more appropriate for pigs um, with uh, electric wire um, and doing rebar uh, for temporary uh, posting. And that helped out a lot. I was more keen on their needs for feed and for water. So whenever an intern had an issue, I would say, oh, okay, well, did you do this? And I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. 
I was like, okay, yeah, go do that thing and, and let me know how that works. And they do the thing and be like, Ryan, that worked out really great. I was like, cool, great, perfect. Now leave me alone. I got something to do. <laughs> um, you know, but it just showed that I could actually learn so much just by sitting still, saying absolutely nothing, but just being present. Yeah, man, that's that is that's solid stuff. I mean, obviously, it's it's so applicable beyond uh, pig management as well, as you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has a lot mm-hmm. of life lessons there, but I can I can definitely sympathize with you. The the large black I, I have a large black sow. Uh, actually, I have two large black sows and two large black Ooh. boars. So um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Those uh, those big floppy ears that just kind of watching you underneath those eyes and underneath mm-hmm. those ears and. and and it is it is interesting to sit and watch them and see how they interact with not only the landscape but with uh, with the other pigs and with, of course with you as well sitting in there. So good stuff. So all right, so let's let's do this. Let's let's move forward here a little bit because I, I think it's important to talk about and I, and I think I'm hoping that our listeners find this as interesting as I I know I'm going to. But so you <laughs> you've not only done this work yeah this this farming management, this uh, livestock work, uh, specifically focusing on pork, not only done that here in the States, in Texas and North Carolina, but you've been a little further east, haven't you, and and been doing some of this stuff uh, (laughs) elsewhere. Uh, Explain what you've been been doing in that situation. Yeah, so um, I uh, go over to East Africa, uh, so Uganda and uh, Tanzania, or uh, as this country folk might say, Tanzania. Yeah, that's one of them. And uh, and I go there uh, a part of a organization called Eat Beta E A T B E T A, and it stands for Evangelizing Africa through business empowerment and the transformation of agriculture. Yeah, wow. uh, and so it's a powerful mission. And uh, you know, for me, uh, at first I was really skeptical about working alongside an NGO and volunteering and being a part of them because. We see a lot of abuse of money and power with a lot of these non-government organizations in Africa. And um, it, it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem uh, in African countries when dealing with uh, organizations that don't belong there and shouldn't be there, um, as well as people who, who are, quote unquote, trying to help. Uh, and so the only thing that really allowed for me to feel confident about working with this organization was the fact that it was, A, founded by a Ugandan. Um, and he's lived in poverty, uh, you know, in, in Kampala. And so hearing his exp- experiences, his story, and how God really spared his life and brought him to a place where he could finally give back to his people meant a lot to me because it showed that he had an appropriate understanding of what it means to help people. Oftentimes in the, uh, you know, uh, non-government organizational space, charity space. We think that giving money is just going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't. And in a lot of cases, it disempowers people. Uh, I do believe in charity. I think that's an important thing. The Bible talks about that. Um, but the Bible also talks about pe- helping men learn how to fish, right? Not that you just give them the fish, but that you teach them how to fish. So when I go over there, uh, I'm basically a, a livestock educator, and my specialty is in pig farming and piggery. Uh, so I will teach them in their context, which is the key part, in their context on best practices for how to raise pigs. Most of the people there aren't really raising people, sorry, pigs outdoors. Most of them are in some kind of pseudo outdoor 
confinement situation where uh, they have uh, concrete flooring. And this is for more of the, um, uh, like, past amateur moving on to, you know, more kind of serious production, but still small scale. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about Smithville production. We're talking about outdoors where pigs are all concrete uh, and in concrete pens. And so, you know, I'm helping a lot of farmers there in their nutritional sense of teaching them, like, what is basic nutrition for pigs? You can't just feed pigs corn, you know? That's just an energy source. You need a protein source as well. Uh, can't just feed, uh, sorry, uh, can't just feed pigs soybean, or over there it's called soya, and corn is called maize. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just feed one of those. You got to think about minerals. Um, got to think about water intake. These are all very important, basic Basic things, but very essential to having a successful operation. And oddly enough, uh, I see the same issues in Africa that I see with a lot of these new and beginning homesteaders who I love and adore, but are making the same as mistakes, if not more mistakes, uh, when it comes to raising pigs, where they're not giving them adequate feed, they're not giving them adequate water, amount of water, or they create their own formula for feed, but it's not appropriate. Right. So then they're not going to get the right carcass quality. They're also not going to get the right grow out time. So sure, your pig, genetically speaking, can grow out to uh, 280 within, let's say, eight months for a, a cross breed. But if you're not giving them adequate feed, it might take 10 months to a year you know, and so I teach these things over in East Africa, but I also do try to, you know, put in a little bit of regenerative agriculture in there. Uh, I don't believe in labels, but, you know, just for the sake of identification, um, you know, a lot of folks are like, well, why can't you have pigs on pasture out in East Africa? Why, why aren't you teaching that? And I'm like, okay, first of all, there are wild animals that will literally <laughs> eat pigs alive. So right. just, let's, just throw, let's just get that out of the way real right. quick. Um, then it's Africa. It's very, very hot. Very, very hot. Um, and pigs, even African pigs, they are still susceptible to heat exhaustion, right? So that's also an issue. Uh, but then the other issue is two-legged predators. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how there are, that people are such a threat to a pig farmer's uh, viability as an operation because there will be people who will steal pigs or steal piglets um, there are people who will kill the pig inside the pig pen, leave all the guts and entrails, and then just take the carcass and run away. Oh, wow. Um, and I got one friend, his name is Frank Bone Pastor. Um, he's in Tanzania. And uh, the last time I was over there, he was like, yeah, you know, we have a, an intruder and one of my guards, because you have to have night shift people there. That way you don't have your pig stolen. One of my guards, uh, he, he was able to capture one of three men that were trying to sell his pigs. And guess what happened? Hmm. They captured that one guy, that one guy cinched on the other two. So then the townspeople dragged those other two guys <laughs> out of their homes, brought them back to the farm. Then they put tires around them and were threatening to burn them alive. Oh my goodness. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now my friend was like, I, I don't want that. I don't want this to happen on my property. I won't call the police. But <laughs> we can definitely scare them Scare, scare the you-know-what out of them. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they had it all on video. Oh, it was hilarious. But they really thought they were going to lose their lives. I thought that was, that, that was the funny part about that. Yeah. You know, so that's also an issue there. But um, I know uh, one good story that I always tell people is with Virginia practices, since a lot of pigs are in pen, they can't forge on their own. 
And so you have to bring the forage to them. And so I talk about macro and micronutrients and why that's important. Uh, and uh, some of them are kind of like, we kind of understand, we kind of don't understand. I say, okay, there are plenty of banana leaves here because of you know banana plantations. All right, let's just get a banana leaf. So I pick one off and cut it down and bring it over to the pen. I go inside the pen, and a lot of people are like, oh, my God, you went inside the pen? I was like, <laughs> yeah, because that's what pig farmers do, right? <laughs> and so uh, uh, the pigs are watching me, and I, I wave the banana leaf, and then I drop it on the ground. And then they're all looking at it really curiously. The, the people are looking at it curiously. The pigs are looking at it curiously. And then after about two seconds of the pigs looking at the banana leaf, they go after it. And then they start fighting over it. They're like, bitching. You know, you hear them fighting. But then after that dies down, that's probably like 30 seconds, um, you hear one distinctive sound. And I tell people, listen, listen, listen. Here's the sound. It's... <laughs> right. And I was like, y'all hear that? That's the sound of a happy pig yeah. right there. All that smacking and chopping right there. And I teach them how uh, adding forage, even if it's banana leaves, sweet potato vines, other uh, uh, vegetation that might have been discarded, how you can use that as a part of your feeding program um, as a feedstuff. Uh, because there are a lot of added on feedstuffs since they're making their own feed usually. Um, and so how that can also cut down a little bit on your feed bill, uh, it can provide extra nutrients uh, for the pigs and give them, allow them to be more healthier. Um, and so I look at teaching, especially East Africans, about having healthy pigs being a profitability, um, uh, having it be a profitability standpoint. Because when I was just teaching them, like, oh, well, animal welfare is important, they, it wasn't clicking with them. Mm -hmm. But when I was telling them how you taking the best care of your pig allows for you to make the most money off your pig, then they started listening. <laughs> yep. Then they started listening. And that really switched things for me because when I came back to the States, I started preaching that same thing. And then it started resonating with our farmers here. And then they started like, oh, so I really need to look at my pig enterprise from a profitability standpoint, not just doing it you know, flippantly. not only in into I don't know, there's there's so many things that are applicable and I was kind of like second leg to my question there's so many things that are applicable to what you're, you're teaching in Africa to what that that even means back here that that sometimes people can't see the forest for the trees to know that animal welfare is something well that's something we should do it's something we should consider we should be good stewards of our animals but equating that to to uh that it's not only good for the animals, but it's good for your profitability. It's good for your production. It's good for all of those things to benefit when you take care of the animal, you understand the animal, and you raise the animal accordingly. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the, the way that I got to that point wasn't just teaching that in East Africa. It was working with people like the National Pork Board, Pork Checkoff, which – have been very problematic in our field of pigdom um, because they don't they acknowledge us, um, but they don't necessarily provide a lot of resources for us. Most of their focus tends to be on the commercial side of things, which kind of can't blame them because billions of dollars being made there. We can't say billions of dollars are being made 
and niche pork production. Right. But I do think that, uh, you know, while I was farming in Texas, uh, I had an opportunity to work with them on their social media team uh, as a contractor. And that allowed for me to talk with farmers and um, national pork advocates and really see the importance of scalability, the importance of good record keeping, the importance of treating your farm like a business. When I go to East Africa, I, I have one chant, one slogan, and that is farming is business. If you, if you farm and you don't look at it like a business, even from the simple standpoint of I'm putting money into this, therefore I need to budget how much money can I afford to put into this if I'm not trying to make money off of this? Yeah. Or if I am trying to make money off of this, uh, not just how much money can and should I put in, uh, but also what kind of profitability can I expect to get out of this pig? And I can't just make assumptions about that. You know, I have so many people who get pigs and they ask me, like, Brian, like, how can I make money off of pigs? And I ask them, do you already have pigs? And they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, why didn't you figure it out before pigs? <laughs> and then they look at me like, but, 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 <laughs> and, you know, yeah. at that point, it's like too late. You already got pigs. So I'm going to help you out anyway. But it just shows like before anyone gets started in pigs, they need to figure out what's their market. Who, who can afford their product? Who wants to buy their product? Should pigs even be the, should pigs even be the first thing? For a lot of people, um, they might be in an area that's super saturated. I live in North Carolina. We have, uh, I think, the number one or number two um, most densely populated um, small farming community hmm. for small small farms, okay. right? Yeah. So we have a lot of people who raise pigs. So you can get them raising pigs and making money off that, sure. But is that really, is that going to be what helps you stand out, right? For some people... Not that you can't have pigs, but maybe you want you should get ducks as well as something to help differentiate or chickens. Um, I like telling people if you haven't raised animals before, start with chickens first. If you can't keep chickens alive, you might not be able to keep pigs alive. <laughs> exactly. um, just it, it, and that's just a sad truth, and that's okay. And more love to you. Um, but just really helping not just homesteaders, but even people who want to take it to the next level um, and be production based. Teaching them, like, you got to pay yourself. And I know that's a sore subject because people are like, oh, well, but fine. Like, I just do this because I love it. And I want to say BS. BS. <laughs> BS. You, you say that, but really that's a cop-out because you don't want to put in the proper knowledge, the proper business structure to make money off it. Deep down, a lot of people really do want to make money off this, Right. We're not charities. We shouldn't have to be charities. But we treat our farms like charities oftentimes because we're not being good financial stewards of our enterprises yeah. when it comes to the farm. And that's something that I teach, not just as an educator, but also as a farm business coach, is helping people understand that you can make money in farming, but you have to structure things in a way. And sure, the year or two, you might not make money. Because you're starting out, and that's totally okay. But we can assess how far in the hole you are and what it would take to get out of that hole. And that's the beauty about it. But, Troy, you know, the thing that amazes me the most is when I started, you know, doing public speaking and all these ag conferences and talking about pig farming, I thought the issue to why farmers couldn't stay in business was because 
they didn't have good land practices. So mm. I talked about land practices. Yeah. Then I realized, though, people are still going out of business. Okay, you know what? It's they're not they're not financially literate. All right, they don't have good businesses. They don't have good marketing skills. So now I'm going to teach a couple years on that, and I did that. Only until going deep in my own personal recovery from addiction did I realize that all this information on how to run a successful business is online. You can Google this stuff. It's not that hard. Right. What's hard is getting over your fears. Hmm. What's hard is seeing that you're worthy of doing this, even though you're telling yourself that you're not worthy. There are so many people who have their traumas, their abuse, uh, their fears, their inadequacies, uh, and they bring that all into how they run their business. They bring that into how they treat their family. They bring that into how they interact with their customers. And what it ends up doing is it ends up creating all these problematic areas where if you don't have a good spiritual sense, you would say, oh, well, it's just a business issue. But the reality is it's a emotional mental and spiritual issue as well. And if you can't see, if you can't see that for a lot of people, it's that there's some people who are just ignorant, but once you tell them what to do, they will shoot to the moon. But for a lot of people I've found, they have to get over the fact that they're living in fear. And I might ask somebody, well, why don't you take the records? And they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, I just don't know how to. And uh, okay. BS. I don't believe that. And then you start really talking to them and you realize that the reason why they don't is because they have insecurity and shame about not being able to take good records because when they were, you know, a child, when money was talked about, it was talked about with a lot of anger and parents throwing things at each other and arguing or it was complete silence. Yeah. And so now they feel ashamed that they don't know how to, t how to be good financial stewards. But instead of rising above that shame, a lot of people live in that shame and that shame only multiplies like a positive feedback loop and only gets worse. And I can say that from personal experience because I've done that financially. I'm grateful to God I'm debt free now, mm. but I did that financially. I can understand how shame can, can interact and affect a relationship with someone you love and care about, whether it's family members or friendships or customers um, or oneself, because as a recovering addict, I have to go through inventory of shame. Where is my shame? And how do I need to combat my shame? But the best way of combating shame and fear and unworthiness, it's love. It's understanding that you are so loved that you don't have to live in shame, but that you have to accept that you're loved. God, Jesus, he's already said you're loved. Already. Already has said it. So it's not a matter of getting it. We already have it. But can we accept it? We don't have to go from a, a place of obtaining victory. God's already got victory. So we got to stop trying to obtain victory, but instead operate from a place of victory. And that's that. It, it might be just a simple change of words, but it's extraordinarily profound because it helped me see that I don't have to fight for love anymore. I don't have to fight for worthiness anymore. I already have those things. And you do too. Yeah. Not just you, Troy, but yeah. your whole audience members. Exactly. Y'all do too. Yeah. 
Man, that's solid stuff. There's there's some truth being laid down today on the Pastured Fig Podcast. That's for sure. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Man, that is great. And and I I just again this this obviously transcends uh, pig farming. This 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 is everything. This is uh, this is everything that we we all as 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 fallen humans struggle through with uh, through through our daily lives. Whether it's day job, whether it's interpersonal relationships, whether it's it's anything. It's it's like you said that coming to these realizations and and realizing that we are loved, we are created with a purpose, and I think that's I think that's fantastic. Love it, love it. Amen. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's let's segue here. I, and I want to be uh, I want to be cautious of your time. I don't want to. I know we could probably spend the next eight hours talking about stuff. <laughs> but let's uh, let's do this. Uh, you said something. And I think maybe we we talked to it pre-screening before we actually started recording. But um, I, I think it segues really well into what we were just talking about. So I, th- I think you said in the, within the last year you've stepped out on faith uh, to 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 do your own gig. And mm-hmm. so if you would unpack that a little bit, what, what exactly does that mean? What are you doing now? How does, how does Ryan uh, go through daily life? How does he, um, you know, is he like Cain and Kung Fu? Are you just walking the earth now? Or, or, or you know, what, <laughs> what, do you, what do you got going on? Yeah, well, um, so I'll give a very, very, very abridged quick backdrop of why I left um, so had a dream job, something that I had a job as a project manager that I had literally craved for since I was in this field, um, with an organization that I genuinely loved and cared about. And, um, three months into it, um, I realized that, uh, the intellectual property agreement that they had, um, with me and their interpretation of it was, if I spoke at any events, and keep in mind, I've been a speaker for five years now. So um, I'm three months into working with them. Uh, they were like, if you speak at any events, technically your speaker fees would be ours. Oh, wow. Uh, if you write a book, technically that would be our book. Wow. Uh, manuals, technically that'd be videos, technically. And I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, I, I'm a team player and I, I love y'all and this is giving me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, what can we do to have an amicable, you know, relationship? Because um, I, I love working here and I want to be a part of this. And uh, I was like, what are some boundaries? Because I want to have integrity as I'm doing this. And they said, well, the only boundary we have is live, anything live rock stock related would fall underneath this uh, agreement. So basically I was screwed um, <laughs> and I realized that I can't be here for long. And so it went from, I need to go find another job to God, what, what do you want me to do? Like I, like it's, it's, it's where am I finding my security in, in, in jobs? It, where's your peace in all this? Cause I, I want to be on the right path and I have no idea where I'm going right now. I have no idea where I need to be. And um, the one last excuse I had that really opened my eyes was uh, March of, uh, 2021, I became debt-free, fully debt-free. Wow. And awesome. God was like, you know, this excuse of you not being able to start your business, you know, you're now debt-free. That was the last excuse that you had to not, to not start your own business. So I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. So then it went from that to, okay, I'll start my business and do my other stuff on the side. And it got to the point where God's like, no, you're going to just take a leap of faith 
You're going to resign from your job. Give them, give them a month's notice, but you're going to resign from your job. You will not have all this figured out, by the way, but you're going to resign from your job, and I will be with you. And um, I resigned uh, July, end of July of this year. And God tell you, uh, Troy, um, it's been it's been a huge blessing and also it's been, it's been a ride, um, you know? And so I'm still trying to figure out what is pork rind, not just simply as a brand, uh, because the only piece that I had for leaving was knowing that pork rind is no longer going to be just my name. Mm. Pork rind is not just going to be just my brand. Pork rind is going to be also my ministry. Um, and so I've stopped looking at my brand as just a brand or my own personality, but I now look at it as a ministry. I want to help people and God has equipped me to help people, not just in pig farming, but also in local food systems and grant writing. So I'm a professional grant writer and reviewer. Uh, I've reviewed grants from the USDA for, uh, SARE, uh, and for a couple other organizations and, uh, I've been in local food for six years. I helped founded a food council, you know, get grants. So it, 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 I have so many different things to offer, and I want that to be a part of God's love to other people, helping people where things really hurt for them, whether it is with pigs, whether it is with grant writing, whether it is with uh, financial literacy for their farm business, whether it is marketing strategies. I want to be able to help them because I've been where they've been as a farmer and as someone who's going to go back into farming, and I want to be able to make sure that they know that there's hope for them. Um, and that's the biggest thing, you know. Uh, I know you had asked a question earlier of like, what would it mean for someone else to be a pork evangelist? What would that mean? And, uh, you know, if you want to be a pork evangelist, because I do not think that I have to be the only pork evangelist, <laughs> I will be the pork evangelist. All y'all can just be, you know, whatever. Right. Um, you know, but I will say that uh, if that's something that, um, you know, you want to be a part of or partake in, it's really simple. You know, uh, for me, I realized that it takes having faith and understanding that your faith is not perfect, um, but understanding that God is still with you and God's calling you to a ministry of some kind. And and I'll just touch on this real quickly. When I say ministry, I don't mean necessarily it has to be in a church. Mm-hmm. I mean that God's called us to use the gifts, abilities, talents, and also the things that we don't even have yet, or the things that he's currently working in on us, using those things to minister the gospel to people. And it's not always this preachy, oh, you must be saved, or oh, repent. But sometimes it's just sitting down and answering a phone call and saying, how can I serve you today? Yeah. How can I love you today? How can I be present for you today? What do you need help with? And honestly, that's one thing that I criticize a lot of pig farmers in our space about, really a lot of farmers in our space, period, because we are so focused on how do we extract money from people's pockets rather than how do we serve our community? How do we serve our customers? Right. That, again, doesn't mean you have to be a charity to do that. But switching the, the frame of reference from I need money to I need to serve people powerfully because God's called me to do that. God wants people to know that they are loved just as I am loved. But it's hard loving other people if you don't love yourself. Yeah. And the only way to understand how to love yourself is by understanding and accepting that God loves you 
Um, so if you want to be a pork evangelist, go on that journey. It's not a destination. It is literally a journey. And every day you will have challenges where people will uh, fight back against you, where people will uh, cry for help. And you have to take on the call knowing that, man, somebody helped me out. Let me help that person out too. I can't be selfish no more. Yeah. You know, I right. can't be inconsiderate anymore. I have to think about other people now. And i tell you what, though, being able to live the life that I live now, not just because of recovery, but because I'm finding a renewed power in Christ. Um, I'm living my best life. It is the hardest life I have ever lived, yet it is the best life I have ever lived. And I do not need to rely on comfort uh, in order for me to have a best life. But I simply need to rely on God for me to have the life that is meaningful, that's purpose-filled, and that allows for me to live out of my calling and my purpose. Mm. Love it, love it. Yeah, I, I love what you said there, and I think, I think in in you know, dovetailing into that point because uh, that was one of the questions that yeah you and I talked about is is as we as pork producers how or do should we become pork evangelists and and I and I think you hit the nail on the head there that is looking at the, this kind of idea, obviously bloom where you're planted, but having this idea of if I'm in this neighborhood, I'm in this community, instead of just extracting resources, you know, funds from people for a product that I raise, how do I become more plugged in? So not only am I stewards of the land that I've been given, but I'm stewards of these animals that I've been given, but I'm also stewards of my community. We are all created to be in community with one another. So figuring out how that fits in to say, okay, I may not be super smart. I may not be rich. I may not have all the personality. I may not be super flashy, drive the fancy car, but here's what Mm -hmm. I can bring to this community. Here's what I can, here's how I can pour into other people's lives. And that's the thing. People, I think people that deal with, you know, depression and anxiety and all those type of things within, within that mix, there's this. There's this disconnect from community, and we as homesteaders, we as farmers tend to to kind of go in that path of solitude because it's a self-reliance thing that sometimes our pride can get in the way, but looking at that same mentality but embracing community, embracing our role in our in our neighborhood, in our town, in our region, whatever, wherever we're influencing, and playing our part in that, but then also being able to pour into other people's lives so they can see through your work, oh, wow, you know, Ryan said this, Troy said that. I wonder how, how do I play a part in this? And man, that's, I think that's where we see change fundamentally across every spectrum of social issues we're dealing with. Every, you know, not just talking about quality food, but every, <laughs> every social issue we're dealing with, if people just engage at that level uh, to, to see how they can serve one another at the community, I think would be, it would be life-changing. Amen. Amen, Troy. I 100% agree. And, you know, that uh, to add on to that, um, I'd also, you know, as a challenge and even a conviction is um, for folks, honor God with your money. Hmm. And um, I'm going to leave it at that because yeah. I know for a lot of people, <laughs> it, there's a sore spot. And sure. I want God to lead people in their own spirit with that. But you know, that's also a big thing for me is I have to look at my business and see how am I honoring God with my business in terms of being not simply uh, someone who gives money, but also as someone who's being a steward of that money right. and making sure that's being utilized to the best ability as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, love it. We are definitely swimming in the deep end of the wallow today, friends. That's there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally digging this conversation. This is good stuff. All right, so I uh, we're creeping up on the hour mark here, and like I said, I want to be uh, cognizant of your time. So I, I got to ask you a question that I ask everybody that we close out with. And yes, sir. So I always ask everyone, what is their favorite part? about raising pigs on pasture. So let me, let me tweak that question just a little bit for you, but what is your favorite part in interacting with pigs? I like that because uh, not everyone has pasture. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, I'm not a legalist either. So sure. uh, I, thank you. Thank you for modifying that for me. Um, yeah, so for me, my favorite part is finding my identity with pigs. Um, when I first started raising pigs and try not to get teary eyed when I say this, um, I realized that, uh, pigs were misunderstood. The pigs that I was raising, um, when I first started out were misunderstood. I was misunderstanding my own pigs and I found myself in that because all my life at that time, I felt misunderstood and People call pigs stupid, dirty animals. That's not true. And there's science to prove that that's not true. The reason why they do wallows and mud baths is because they can't sweat. Literally, that's it. Yeah, okay, if I can't sweat, I might do the same thing, you know. But, um, you know, I, I realize that they were just misunderstood. And I look at scripture where uh, <laughs> the one the one story that I had the most angst about, you know, being, being you know, a pig farmer was – uh, the one where Jesus cast out a demon, uh, legion, legion of demons, yep. yeah, <laughs> multiple demons from a man and put them in pigs. And I was like, God, out of, out of all animals, why not sheep? Why not goats? You put it in pigs. I love pigs. Why do you hate pigs so much? But you know what? Now uh, being in recovery and having a renewed faith, I realized that I relate to that story. I'm focused on the wrong thing mm. in the story. I'm focused on pigs being dead. I'm not focused on a man was renewed. He was enslaved and he had no control, but God redeemed his life. That's me. That's me in that story. And so pigs, pigs were just a good reminder that God loved me and God still loves me and God will always love me and that he will do anything to make sure that he knows that I know that he is loved, that, that, I know that he loves me. Um, and so I'm so grateful that I can find God in pigs. Um, and most importantly, that I can find God in all the people that I interact with, that God is working in people, um, saved and unsaved, uh, for his glory and for his benefit. And that, that excites me the most, Troy, yeah. is knowing that I can find God in something as weird as a uh, muddy animal that gives sloppy mud kisses. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I man, great answer, great answer. But I, I can't let this go. And I know people are probably going to roll their eyes when they hear this. But you, you touched upon <laughs> something that I, that I actually spent a couple weeks studying and actually taught at uh, at our our local church. So that Ooh. story in the Synoptic Gospels of uh, of casting the demons into swine and all the swine dying. And, and man, I absolutely love what you said. That realization that you are the man in chains that you have been been set free by our savior 
But I, I love that idea and tie into it that when you look at where that was, the, the Gadarenes or, or uh, uh, Gerasenes, depending on which of the Synoptic Gospels you look at, was a, was an out, an, a suburb of the Decapolis. So it was a non-Jewish area. And right. that was people's money. That, yep. that, that herd, thousands of pigs, that herd was people's money. And when they saw mm-hmm. their money disappeared, but a guy was saved... Their reaction was, more on the money. please leave. Get out. Exactly. Yep. Please leave. We don't care about the guy that was saved. We cared about what happened to our money. And yeah, man, I, I, that gives me cold chills because I just absolutely love how that application, yeah, when, when we as pig farmers look at this, like, man, that, that ain't cool. But when you look at the application and the story behind it, you see there's just so much more depth to it to say where your money is, is where your heart is. And your heart maybe should be in a different spot. And I, I yeah, oh, digging it, digging it, man. I absolutely love it. Amen, yep. amen Troy. All right. Yeah. We're going to have to pass around an offering plate after this because we've been preaching a pretty good sermon here. <laughs> 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 oh, shoot. Well, Ryan, man, I'm going to, like I said, I could talk to you for hours more, but I'm going to let you go. I know, uh, I know we've been, uh, been over our time here, but brother, I'd love to have you back on the podcast at some point as, as you keep plowing ground in this and as we talk more about, uh, about what you've got going on and, and some of the insights, additional insights you can share. So I'd love to invite you back at some point to be a guest and, and we just uh, keep on rolling. I love it. And uh, Troy, I'm, I, I've been excited with what you've been doing with this podcast. Uh, at first, when I realized you had a podcast, I was like, don't worry, man, I wanted to do that. But now I'm like, you know what? This podcast is in good hands and I'm extraordinarily grateful for all the other interviews that you have done because it's helped out a lot of people and you have the approach of not just raising pigs because you're cute and cuddly, <laughs> but really, really providing practical information. You do that on your podcast. You do that on YouTube. And so I'm a fan. So uh, before we uh, leave, I'd love to pray for you. And uh, I do believe that this is a ministry. Um, and so I would love to pray for you and your ministry, if that's okay with you. Man, I'd love it. Absolutely. Go for it. Perfect. Uh, again, if you're driving, uh, definitely don't close your eyes. But uh, you know, bow, your, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're a weirdo like me, you can keep them open. Um, but Heavenly Father, uh, man, you, you, you love in such a unique way, such a passionately unique way, Lord. And um, I'm so grateful to be here and to uh, give glory to you and all the good things that you've done in my life. Uh, and likewise for Troy. Lord, I just lift up Troy and his family. Uh, they continue on this pig farming endeavor. Um, but Lord, I also just pray for the success of what they're doing uh, as they focus it around you and your glory, God. Uh, I pray that um, whatever needs that they might have, whether seen and unseen, Lord, would be met um, by your divine providence, God, whether it be through um, additional sales or people just giving money because they just love Troy and what he's doing. Um, I just really pray that... Uh, uh, you would be a provider in their life, God. And if there's a need for patience, let them have patience, Lord. If there's a need for joy, let them have joy. If there's a need for grace, let them have grace, God. Um, and I pray that they would exude in those things and that it would overflow into the lives of the people that they are uh, reaching out to. Uh, I pray for this podcast, Lord, and for all those who are listening, God. Um, Lord, may they be blessed um, by this conversation. Uh, may their hearts turn more to you, Lord, by this conversation. Lord, my heart has turned more to you, God, um, as I talk with Troy, Lord. And I just pray that 
this would be a place, Lord, where people could receive not just simply guidance, Lord, but also a sense of healing and a sense of renewed spirit and a sense of belonging as well. And we thank you for uh, the stewardship that Troy has provided, Lord. We understand that that is the stewardship that you give him. And we pray that he would continue on that path of righteousness as he teaches and trains uh, pig farmers who raise the things on pastures all across the country as well as overseas as well. We thank you in your ultimate mighty name. Amen. 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 Love it. Love it. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to 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 let everyone know that's listening, if they want to find you online or they want to reach out to you and, and either talk to you or invite you to to come speak somewhere, how do people find Pork Rind out there on the webs? Good idea. Good question. Um, so, yeah, I am building a website. Um, it's not ready yet, but it should be ready by the end of this month. And um, so you can find that at porkrind.com. Really simple. Um, in the meantime, you can email me at... Ryan, R-H-Y-N-E, N as in Nancy, N-E, at pork, Ryan, R-H-Y-N-E, dot com. Uh, if you're on the Instagram IG, you can find me at pork, dot, Ryan, R-H-Y-N-E. And you can also find me on YouTube because people are just begging me to do a YouTube channel. So yeah. I'm supposed to post my, my first video this week. Um, so, uh, you can find me at pork Ryan, R H Y N E TV on YouTube as well. Yeah. You said something about the podcast and I would say that I would be more than happy to co-host a podcast with you because you got six times the personality that I do. And I think you would do exquisite and you definitely have a face for TV. I have a, I have a face for AM radio, I think, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think you would be great on YouTube, man. Absolutely. I, I, like I said, I was, you, I was, I was drinking from the well when you were speaking at the uh, Homesteaders of America conference. Cause you definitely got, got us all fired up. That was good stuff. Good. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to let you go. And like I said, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you back on at some point and, and have some additional conversation. Cause there's about 40 other questions I have on my list, but we'll, we'll save those for later. <laughs> Sounds good. Again, thank you for the opportunity, Troy. It was such a blessing to be on the podcast. All right, man. Well, brother, you take care. You have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, as they used to say in the tent revival, if that don't get your fire burning, then your wood's wet. So I hope that is, uh, I hope that's an encouragement for you all. I, I really enjoyed talking to Ryan. We've actually talked uh, since the podcast. Um, interview and discuss some things. So uh, the information that he gave and where you can find them, hopefully that's uh, ready to go. But uh, look for more stuff. I think Ryan and somebody else are going to start a podcast similar to this genre, but be tied more to faith. So looking forward to that. Um, I, I think he's got the personality to to really be able to make that top notch. So um, we'll we'll share that on the Facebook group as it comes available. Well, um, again, I would not. I would be remiss if I didn't want to. If I didn't say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, uh, we reached our first benchmark a couple months ago, and that kind of kicked everything into motion with the website, the Facebook group. We've got another benchmark at forty supporters. So, if you feel so inclined, feel led to support this effort. Looking forward to some of the other features. Um, probably the biggest is the business directory, and I, and I really want this to be an opportunity for businesses um, pertaining to pastured piggery to, to be able to have a listing there totally free 
And to be able to have a listing, it will provide SEO benefits. You know, again, I won't get into all the nerdery stuff there. But it will provide uh, benefits for people to find you regional, zip code-based, state-based uh, information. So whether you are raising hogs to sell holes and halves, individual cuts, on-farm processing, or you have products, uh, equipment, farm equipment that you sell, and also looking at a forum slash classified opportunity for um, those of us that have uh, breeding stock or, or extra stock that we want to sell, and we know that social media is is hard to navigate that because of their stance on livestock sales or animal sales, uh, looking to put something like that into place as well. So it can be a safe environment for us to go and share responsible uh, opportunities to sell our breed, sell some of our genetics, uh, rent a board, that type of stuff. So look for that. If you'd like to see that happen sooner than later, then please consider supporting us at Patreon. Our base level is at $5 a month, uh, so 60 bucks a year. Not a huge commitment there to uh, get us where we'd like to be and provide this service for, for everyone. Well, I... Uh, uh, again, don't don't forget to check out, uh, starting next week, thepasturedpig.com. Feel free to um, explore that and, and also send some comments, things that you'd like to see, some improvements. I'm always open for suggestions. And again, don't want to be the only voice in this area. Well, I appreciate everybody listening. I pray everyone have a great new year, uh, safe new year. Um, let's not live our lives in fear, but let's live our lives in the glorious hope we have and that's the idea that we are all called uh, with a purpose to be here uh, to do things. So uh, let's just try to live out that hope and that purpose in 2022 and love one another. All right. God bless. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.